0: Jim Rowan, how you going? It's time again. It is time again for some history to be talked about by me right now. This is the time. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, the original, the OG, Wrestle Kingdom 1, 2007. Um, I have already got a podcast on the first half, which covered the first... Four matches, I believe. And I believe this is the fifth match. Yeah, that's right. That we're up to. 10 man tag team match. Kaz Hayashi, Koji Kanamoto, Michinoku Tiger Mask, and Wataru Inoue versus CTU. Uh, which is Jushin Thunder Liger, Milano AT, Milano Collection AT, I should say, uh, Minoru. That's the uh, CTU contingent. And then there's a Voodoo Murders pair of Brother Yashi and Shinji, sorry, Shuji Kondo. Um, So it's a mix up. This is, this is a, I'll, I'll go through and kind of introduce everyone, but this is the only match where they've changed things up and they've just got. Good guys from New Japan and All Japan on one team and bad guys from New Japan and All Japan on the other team. So uh, the good guys, the first team I mentioned, we've got the fourth incarnation of Tiger Mask, who is currently the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion. And uh, that was after losing the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. ...to his teammate in this match... ...and the previous Tiger Mask... ...in Koji Kanemoto... ...Kanemoto's coming off a great showing... ...in the 2006 G1 Climax... ...especially as a junior... ...he came second in Group B... ...or B Block... ...and he's... ...only just lost the junior title... ...to the IWGP junior title... ...to Minoru last month... ...who's on the other team... ...and... ...um in a way he's another one here we got uh, he's kind of just he's a mid-carder but he's been battling CTU he's just that's why he's there because he hates CTU a lot uh, but he did earn his first gold in 2005 with koji for the um koji kanemoto that is not kojima uh with the junior tag titles so he has been a champion in a way he's not just a I guess he's a little above a mid-carder then, in that case. Not really. Junior titles, who cares? Uh, so the All Japan side, that's uh, Taka Michinoku. So he left WWF, which is what he would best be known for. Uh, in October of 2001, he returned to Japan, established his own promotion called Kaintai Dojo. In 2004, Kazayashi put his All Japan World Junior Heavyweight title on the line to get a shot at the strongest K title which is the top prize in Kayentai. Hayashi won on that occasion, defended it twice in Kayentai before facing Taka Michinoku in January of 2005. And in that match, he lost both the All Japan title and the Strongest K title. So then those two, Taka and Hayashi, went on to team up in All Japan. But then more recently, Hayashi has proved himself a top junior competitor, once again in All Japan by becoming the undefeated winner of the All Japan Junior League Tournament. Now, uh, okay, for those playing at home, I suppose, we have Kanamoto in the black trunks with the pink trim. I mean, of course, on New Japan World, this is featured on there. way, has the white pants... Hayashi is in black with a bit of blonde in his hair. Taka is in the blue with the unfinished haircut. And if I have to explain which one Tiger Mask is, just stop listening to this. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, okay, and then the bad guys, I'll introduce them first. So we've got Jushin Thunder Liger, who should need no introduction, but uh, 11 time IWGP. <laughs> I'll just. Uh, Slur my way through that. IWGP junior heavyweight champion uh, 11 times. And he's won junior titles all over the world individually as well as collectively. Because he's one of the few J-Crown champions. Uh, which basically meant at the time you hold all the titles at once. Um, and he's the founder currently and leader of the control terrorism unit, CTU. Which is his way of turning heel. And... Among others in this faction uh, two of his teammates. Um, tonight is uh, so also part of CTU, as mentioned. Milano Collection AT, who is, of course, to become a broadcaster. But uh, at this time, he was in a feud with Tiger Mask. Hold on, let me just... I think there's quite a strong breeze. It's probably going to affect how this sounds. Um, didn't do a weather check. You know what? It's a history podcast. What was the weather like in 2007? Who's to know? Um, so never mind the weather check. What was I up to? So he's... Milano is feuding with Tiger Mask and he's attempting to tear off and steal as many of Tiger Mask's... <laughs> Tiger Mask's masks. Steal as many of his masks as he can. And he's going to try and sell them. So it's not a bad plan. Uh, Tiger Mask has been a big rival of Jushin, Thunder Ligas, of course. Uh, so there's a connection there as well. Minoru is the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, he won it, as mentioned previously, from Kanemoto. And this is his fourth reign as champion. Um, and he began his career in the early 90s with shoot-style promotions, but he's been with New Japan for a while now. Um, okay, and now the All Japan guys, (laughs) this is taking forever, Voodoo Murders, uh, we already talked about them, bad guys in All Japan, so, uh, that's Brother Yashi and Shuji Kondo, Yashi and Kondo have teamed with Milano Collection in the past, and they turned on him to form their own group, and they've turned, they've teamed together since, um, and then they... Joined Voodoo Murders when they came to All Japan in 2005. Kondo has been the reigning All Japan Junior Champion since defeating Taka for the title in October 2005. I feel like I got that wrong. I thought I said Hiyashi won it before. Didn't I just say that? Let's go back. January. Oh, okay. Taka beat Oh, right, that's what happened. Taka beat Hayashi for it in January 2005, then Kondo beat Taka for it in October 2005. That makes sense. Um, So, yeah, Kondo is the All Japan Junior Heavyweight Champion, and um, these two as a team, uh, Yashi and Kondo, have been, they were undefeated in the round-robin part of the All Japan Junior Tag League, but they lost in the final so um, yeah, all these guys on both sides are are pretty top junior heavyweights but I'll introduce or again for those playing at home uh, so you can tell everyone apart Minoru is the uh, guy in the black and red tights and you might notice at the beginning of the (laughs) of the uh, match he fakes out Hayashi with a handshake he goes to you know, come on, shake my hand. Which, I mean, I know it's 2007, but it was still an old trick in 2007. So the fact that Hiyashi falls for it, and then um, Minoru just gives him a big thumbs down in his face, and Hayashi gets real mad about it. That's pretty funny. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, Minoru, and uh, Liger's in his bad boy black outfit. Milano Connection is in the little black trunks with the short hair. Kondo's the big fella with the big red mullet, and Yashi has the dreads, um, I feel like I missed someone there, Liga, Minoru, Mil- oh no, that's everyone, okay, here we go, so yeah, really like 10 of the very top junior heavyweights in Japan, uh, 3 current champions, Kanemoto's fired up right from the start, he punches the guy closest to him when this match starts, which happens to be Kondo. And then Yashi tries to help him out, but Kanemoto takes them both out with kicks, but he takes too long with Kondo, who picks him up, slams him down with ease. He's the big burly guy in this match. He's the powerhouse of the of all 10 guys. And uh, then we have uh, Hayashi and Minoru in next, but they're not in for long. Hayashi goes flipping straight through the ropes, also, through the rope straight out to Minoru and then they all start leaping everywhere Tiger um, goes he's straight into the chest of Kondo Taka leaps out at Liger Inoue goes knee first off the apron at Milano Koji lands on Yashi and then the baby pieces all regather back in the ring Taka and Yashi show they still have some chemistry Liga goes straight for the kill with a low blow on Taka All the heels club on Taka in their corner. Yashi grabs Taka's nuts in full view of the referee. Taka, unsatisfied with the referee's attempts to stop this, grabs Yashi's nuts back. Then they let each other go and Taka collapses, inadvertently kicking Yashi low again, and then Yashi falls forward and headbutts Taka low. Little comedy spot there. Milano shows Agility and flexibility in dodging Tarka's kicks, which is his normal kind of, I don't know, backwards bridge, hands down bridge, handspring kind of thing that he does. And then he ties up uh, Tarka like a pretzel around the bottom rope before landing a big leg drop on him. The heels keep tagging and ganging up on Tarka. In a way, eventually comes to the rescue. Looks pretty smooth with his technique and securing an arm bar on Kondo. And the match really picks up when Hayashi and Minoru are back in because they show great speed and dexterity in their sequences. Minoru gets a deep armbar, but Hayashi makes it to the ropes and they're really the highlight of an otherwise cluster beep of a match. Um, Did I just beep myself? That's embarrassing. I try not to swear where I don't have to. It's a mess of a match. And um, I rated it fine. So there you go. I told you I'm going to mix up the ratings. I just thought all the opening matches did the job that they have to. This one, though, I feel like you had so much talent in the ring. And I mean, you know, they didn't have much time. There was never any time to get invested in anything. It was just kind of a couple spots from each guy, a few big dives, a comedy spot, you know, blah, blah, blah and then uh, it's over I did uh, there was actually right at the end as well Tucker did his signature dive from the top turnbuckle to the outside Um, kind of it was off in the distance because the camera was focused on the ring when um, I didn't even mention the finish Tiger Mask pins Yashi with the Tiger Suplex Um, yeah so I just rated this one fine it was just uh, a lot of action for a short time In and out, that's it. And then after this match, I mean, this isn't included in the video at all, but Liger said after this match that his goals this year included winning the IWGP uh, heavyweight title and heavyweight tag titles. So he wants to be a part of the heavyweights again. I don't think that actually, anything really happened with that. So let's move on to some real heavyweights. The next match, and what I would suggest is probably the first uh, proper match, featured match, is Toshiyaki Kawada versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, So, let's go over who these guys are. For New Japan is Nakamura, he's, was the super rookie, uh, member of the New three musketeers alongside Tanahashi and Shibata. Took a few MMA fights as Enokiism was in full force in New Japan. Uh, was mostly successful, uh, although it clearly got in the way of his pro wrestling. And uh, still, he was the youngest ever IWGP Heavyweight Champion in 2004. Uh, it was only a short reign at the time, and it's actually his only reign at this stage. Um. He since won the heavyweight tag team championship with Tanahashi. And. Um, oh, and he won the under 30 openweight championship as well. But I think he's given that up at this stage. Yes, he would have. Uh, and then he did challenge for the heavyweight title again in 2006, but he lost to the champion at the time, Brock Lesnar. And this led to him taking an excursion. ...before returning just a few uh, few months prior to this match... ...and he joined Masahiro Chono in Black New Japan... ...which, uh, with whom? With Chono. He won the G1 Tag League 2006... ...and then he challenged for the heavyweight title again... ...in December, for some reason. They rushed to that in December... uh, ...right, you know, just a month before this... ...and Tanahashi defended successfully... Um, still the crowd seemed pretty behind him in this match So, um, and he's added some mass I didn't mention he, uh, he went to the USA had uh, a bit of protein I guess over there because he's, he's a bit bigger and he's only 26 here by the way but, um, which is in stark contrast to the 43 year old Kawada But, of course, Kawada's a big name, and this is the biggest stage, so it could be... It's a big opportunity for Nakamura, this match. Uh, And Kawada, Toshiaki Kawada, one of the legendary four kings of heaven, or four pillars of heaven, um, which was the King's Road era of All Japan Pro Wrestling across the 90s, which just... uh, Incredible style of pro wrestling that kept to the traditional roots of the art, I suppose you would say, whilst incorporating incredible incredible physicality and realism, along with consistent, compelling sports based long form storytelling. And uh, it's my favourite wrestling ever. But I wasn't a Kawada guy. I was Misawa Kabashi I'm a big mark when it comes to this stuff I just like the baby faces if it's if you're doing your job right you should like the baby faces you know I like an anti-hero but I don't know I' I'm, I don't know what to tell you so I mean that's what's good about that is that um, I I am a Nakamura mark so I come into this with a very clear I want Nakamura to win um, mentality, which is always fun. It's always nice when you actually, you go into, you're not like, oh, I just want to see a good fight. No, I want this person to win. I'm invested. That's always better. But anyway, back to Kawada here. Um, of course, Misawa was his, for those uninitiated, he was Misawa's uh, longtime arch rival through those years of 90s All-Japan. So uh, when Misawa, and I guess there was some of that that was real. I mean, I know there was some of that that was real. So, Misawa, when he left All Japan in 2000, he took basically everyone to Noah except Kawada. Pretty rude. Uh, but uh, yeah, Kawada stayed behind in All Japan, and um, he has been a part of helping them rebuild. Uh, he won the triple crown title for the fifth time in September of 2003. His first win of that title, for the record, being in 1994. But uh, just as as recently as uh, 2005, he held that title when he was finally beaten by Kojima. And then, quite a shortly after that, actually became a free agent, and he didn't return to his home promotion until July of 2006 where he challenged the current Triple Crown Champion, Tayo Kea. Uh, that was in August, but he failed in that attempt. And uh, now, just a few months after that, he is uh, in a featured match, Wrestle Kingdom, facing young Nakamura. Uh, Nakamura with his mid-length hair at this time. He's got a black robe, black trunks, black knee pads, black boots, shooter look. Comes out, No fuss. He's got... Oh, actually, he's got a little fuss. He's got that little hand gesture combo thing he does before he enters the ring. And then Dangerous K has his classic black and yellow outfit. And um, I think it might be a little extra stretched, but uh, he's still in decent shape. And, And he's got the All Japan nameplate graphic when his name's announced. Um... But they, I mean, they skip his uh, entrance on World. You can probably find it elsewhere if you were really interested, but I guess just they don't have the rights to that theme, I'm, I suppose, so they've had to cut that out on World. But um, they're our two competitors. The match starts with some decent mat wrestling, kind of based in realism with some quick transitions. It's clearly a feeling-out process. And they strike each other in the corner. Shinsuke gets the best out of it with a big knee under Kawada's chin. Masanobu Fuji is shown watching on from ringside. Uh he was often on Kawada's team in tag matches in those in those famous tag matches of the all Japan nineties. Uh a lot of the time it was Kawada, Tawei and, and Fuji. Um and Ogawa was often there too. Um, and more mat wrestling. Nakamura catches an armbar, and he holds it for as long as he... Well, actually, as long as the referee will let him. Kawada retaliates with kicks and stomps, and yeah, it hasn't taken long for this match to get vicious. The strikes go back and forth. Kawada takes his chance to lock in a dragon sleeper, though Nakamura was aware of it and gets to the ropes. Kawada tries it again when Nakamura looks out, and he goes for a pin... There's a kick out from Nakamura, and it's turned into an armbar by Kawada, but that's fought out of as well. Kawada's famous kicks are to follow, and then the suplexes start flying. They escalate into... They're kind of... It's a, a couple of uh, all-Japan, 90s-style head drops with uh, some of these suplexes. There's a, a lariat thrown by Kawada that's expertly rolled, Into an armbar by Nakamura. Popping the crowd, though Kawada makes it to the ropes. Then they trade armbars. They're really going after each other's arms. Kawada isn't selling a thing once once each move is complete, by the way. I did notice that. He's too bold to sell. That's that's hard. That's difficult. Nakamura catches a kick, lifts Kawada into a powerbomb, gets a two count. And then there's a triangle attempt by Kawada, though Nakamura just stacks him up, pins him, which forces... Kawada to break it. There's a Death Valley driver from Nakamura that gets a two count. They trade elbows. Kawada's arm is finally feeling sore. He's selling a bit now. It stops him stops him from attempting a power bomb at first, but he finally gets Nakamura up, only for him to power back to his feet anyway. Kawada hits a brainbuster. Nakamura kicks out of that too. Nakamura fires up, uh, slides straight into a couple of knees, the way he did. In his first MMA fight against uh, Alexei Ignashov... That just became this spot that just keeps happening over and over. They keep doing it. Um, And that's what keeps him down. Kawada wins by pinfall. So... I I, I called this match good. I went back to good. Um, I'm going to change from good again. Trust me, please. Uh, Yeah, I just... I don't know. I thought good... Was I, I kind of you know I like the match. Um, it was it was rough around the edges, which I like. I like that. It makes it feel like a fight. Um, I mean, this wasn't really pretty, uh, clean. You know, uh, it, it didn't look like they were cooperating. So I don't mind some of that. I mean, there's a certain way in which it can be done that looks good. Sometimes it just looks like a bad pro wrestling match but no, these guys are kind of they made it look like a fight um, the finish lacked the impact of a very good match I would say if it was to go to that next stage I just I can't help but feel like it was the wrong result just because you know I'm a—I like I said at the start I was a Nakamura mark he's the young fella like why isn't he beating this old guy I guess I get it. You know, if you're gonna do an all Japan thing, Kawada's the only guy that's left that's really truly of that all Japan uh, you know, what made all Japan popular most recently, uh leading up to this match, so um I guess it makes sense to give him a win. Maybe just over a different person would have been cool. It just doesn't seem like they've booked Nakamura very well recently. Um since he's come back I don't know he won that tag thing but oh well but also just not even that actually as far back as when he dropped the title it just seems Nakamura's been a bit lost anyway um yeah so I called it good and um the you know what in fairness though and I guess it's a New Japan crowd but they didn't particularly like the finish either so it's not like they pop the crowd with like oh yeah everyone wanted to see their favorite you know all japan legend win so it was still a big match it it was good okay now the next one the next one's very good and uh it's not just for bragging rights the triple crown heavyweight championship all japan's top prize is on the line Yuji Nagata for New Japan challenges the all-Japan heavyweight champion, Minoru Suzuki. These two were seniors together in 1986, and Suzuki beat Nagata twice in their amateur wrestling uh, tournament. Uh, in, uh, it was a Tokyo high school tournament. And then he beat him again, Suzuki beat Nagata again at the Japanese sectionals which uh, I think we call that regionals here. Um, But yeah, it's just kind of... uh, I would obviously the next level above being the top high school wrestler. Um, And then Nagata went on to represent Japan in Greco-Roman wrestling over the next few years at Asian and World Championship tournaments before joining New Japan in 1992. And then he became popular during the UWFI invasion of New Japan in 1995 because um, he was able to adopt that shoot style and and really kind of fight on the side of New Japan against those shoot style guys uh, and have some really good matches. Then in 1999, this is just a quick history of Nagata's career, 1999 he had a run as a tag team champion with Nakanishi, uh, who remains an ally for him, In 2001, Nagata won the 11th G1 Climax Tournament and he won the heavyweight championship, the IWGP heavyweight championship for the first time and so far the only time in 2002. His MMA career was short but insane, going over 2 against legendary heavyweights, Mirko Krokop and Fedor Emelianenko, both fights being stopped In the first round. Um. He's also had some matches in All Japan and NOAH. But he is at this time. Really very much a. Not the top guy. But a top guy for New Japan. Uh. Minoru Suzuki. On the. In the red corner. The co-founder of Pancrase. One of the first mixed martial arts organizations in the world. Uh. He fought in legitimate contests. For the majority of the 1990s. Um. He returned to pro wrestling and to New Japan pro wrestling in 2003. Uh, he was originally a part of the company in 1998, sorry, 1988. But he was quickly drawn into the shoot style wrestling that was getting big around that time uh, before making the full leap into the full contact competition with Pancrase. That was in 1993 that uh, Pancrase started. And most of those fights were real. Um, or at least pancreas is an interesting uh transition from real to fake uh if i may use those terms because you've got okay so shoot style wrestling right and then you've got mma or pancreas is a good example the early pancreas um in real fights because it's got that no punches rule so it is pro wrestling it's just real pro wrestling um Funnily enough, there's no uh, Irish whips in Pancreys. But what I found interesting about it was that guys like Suzuki and Funaki and Shamrock were so far above some of these guys in terms of talent that the other guy thought they were in a real fight. But the, you know, say Suzuki, for example would just, in the spirit of pro-wrestling, allow the guy to get more offense in than he otherwise would. Like, Suzuki could crush him in 14 seconds, but that wouldn't be as interesting for the fans. And, of course, he has a stake in the company. He wants the fans to be entertained. He wants their money. He wants them to come back. So he, you know, takes a couple bumps, lets the match go on a little bit, creates a little drama, and then finishes him, you know, five, ten minutes into the match. So it's still a real fight and Suzuki isn't giving away to the audience that he isn't really struggling, but it's still a, it's like a one-sided work. Um, and I think that's just, it's interesting, uh, when you kind of, when you look at pro wrestling on this spectrum, um, of between the, you know, when it, when it's, shoot pro wrestling real MMA whatever and then you slowly come back and you, you know Pancrase would be up there just kind of half real and then there's just maybe the finish is real like in the UWFI match when Takata knocked out who did he knock out? he knocked someone out for real with a head kick just bang just to legitimize the what they were doing um Yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting, that spectrum of things. But I'm off on a tangent. My apologies. So Pancreas started in 1993. uh, But yes, like I said, Suzuki returned to New Japan in 2003. He attempted a shot at the uh, IWGP heavyweight title in 2004, but he lost that. Then he started to work for Noah Suzuki. In 2006, he started predominantly working for All Japan... A feud quickly developed between he and the current Triple Crown champion, Taiokaea, which uh, culminated in Suzuki taking his title. Sorry, the former Triple Crown champion. Taiokaea is in the next match. Um, of course, Suzuki's the champion in this match. I've just said that's what this match is for. So, Suzuki took that title in just in September, and he's only defended it once so far against Roe Z. So uh, this is his second title defense, Minoru Suzuki, of the Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship. And uh, for those playing at home, on New Japan World, Suzuki is wearing his customary black trunks. He's got short black boots and a murderous facial expression. Nagata is in the dark trunks. He's in dark trunks as well. He's got white patterns on him and and knee-high boots. So, the match. They waste little time in laying into each other. Suzuki fakes out a running move to the corner and sarcastically slaps Yuji with a signature Suzuki grin across his face. The fight spills outside and Nagata cops a stiff chair shot across his head, busting open his forehead. Nagata tries to return to the ring. He's dripping blood down his face. He's kicked off the apron and stomped against the guardrail. So this one's vicious and violent very early. Suzuki reaches... For another chair, but the referee intervenes this time, gives Nagata enough time to launch a counter-attack. Nagata lifts Suzuki and drives him down onto the concrete with a brain buster. Finally, the match returns to the ring. Both men now busted open. Suzuki busted open from that uh, brain buster. That's a lot of busting. Uh, stiff kicks put Suzuki in further trouble. Nagata grabs the arm and his eyes roll back as he cranks on the shoulder joint of Suzuki. It lasts some time before Suzuki can find the ropes, so it must have done considerable damage. Uh, Suplex goes wrong for Nagata, though, and he he, he cops a running knee to the jaw. They both rise together, they begin testing each other's resolve with slaps back and forth. Suzuki hits several in a row, followed by a knee, and then finally the gotch pole driver. But he's slow to make the cover, and Yuji kicks out at two though the fans thought little of it, at least judging by what they expressed audibly. Nagata fires back up. He trades stiff slaps again. Yuji catches a kick and follows in with a jumping knee that knocks Suzuki down. There's another brain buster, but that isn't enough. Nagata picks Suzuki up for the backdrop driver. That should be it, but Nagata's not done. He stops the pinfall himself and waits for Nagata, sorry, goddammit, waits for Suzuki to rise. Nagata waits for Suzuki to rise, a stiff kick seems to just wake Suzuki up. As he kicks out at one, he comes bounding forward with desperate slaps, Nagata knocks him back down, goes for the backdrop again, but Suzuki slips out, gains control of the sleeper hold, and the crowd do react to that. Suzuki flips Nagata over with an impressive throw while in the sleeper and attempts to take his back on the ground, but Nagata fights the grip, nearly gets out. His, uh, persistence, uh, well, it's, it's persistence from Suzuki that wears him back down. And um, Nagata goes out from the choke. The referee stops the match. Suzuki emerges the winner, retaining his title. And I thought this match was very good. I'm a big fan of both of these guys. I think this was a memorable battle. Uh, they clearly had something to prove to one another. And uh, perhaps that's what got in Indigata's way in the end. And I liked that the referee stopped the match as if it were an MMA fight. Because, uh, you know, the old school pro wrestling, the way that... The way <laughs> pro wrestling used to treat, or, you know, currently treats chokes in some places... With the three drops of the hand. I mean realistically that would generally result in death. So I kind of like that. He just. He saw Nagata was out. He stopped the match straight away. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Really enjoyed that one. What how are we doing for time? Oh we got heaps. Okay. Uh, so I think we've got. Only two matches left here. Uh, Yes that is the case. Okay, so, the second last match is for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And we have Hiroshi Tanahashi facing Taiyo Actually, I'll go back to how I had it. That was better this way. Um, so, as well, well, we'll go through both of them. So, Tanahashi, quick history. Enrolled in the New Japan Dojo in 1999. Made his professional debut later that year against Togi Makabe and uh, was quickly recognized as a special talent, experienced early flashes of success, uh, though there was a, a negative personal incident that uh, increased his notary, <laughs> notoriety with the public uh, in 2002, the uh, stabbing incident. I feel like I've... Oh, I would have talked about it before on the... Um, on the Enokiism podcast. Uh, he was stabbed by his girlfriend, and because his girlfriend was a rather prominent uh, news reporter, um, the, I don't know, I guess because it's a somewhat high-profile, maybe like a C-level fame uh, kind of squabble. Well, it's more than a squabble. He got stabbed. So, yeah, it made the news. It was kind of a... It created a buzz. So... He... has a... Uh, since then been really on an upward trajectory he had that under 30 title for a long time um as mentioned before was tag team champion with Nakamura and he oh last year faced Shibata in the so I would have covered this in the 2006 podcast also a part of this historical series um but Shibata destroyed him last year at the uh, January 4th show and has since left the promotion. So that wasn't great. But since then, um, we had the title sh- stripped from Brock Lesnar and that tournament in July of 2006 led to Tanahashi becoming the winner of uh, well, the champion led to him becoming the IWGP champion for the first time. He beat John Bernard in the final and then went on to beat the G1 Climax winner, Tenzan, in October because back then winning the G1 Climax just earned you a title shot. It didn't earn you a title shot at the big show. None of this briefcase business back then. And um, as said before as well, Tanahashi did retain as uh, in December against Nakamura so you know about Tanahashi though let's talk about Mauna Kea Mossman Mauna Kea Mossman he was uh Taiokea is what he would become Uh he's a Hawaiian state amateur wrestling champion his uncle is King Curtis Iakea who was a journeyman in the territory days found success in Australia apparently and um He, uh, for yeah, convinced uh, his nephew to write an athletic resume to all Japan to Giant Barber. So he joined. Uh, this is a tie Ok now. He joined in uh, nineteen ninety four as a junior heavyweight. Won his first gold just three years later over Ogawa, the um, who was uh, kind of the junior heavyweight stalwart heel for. Japan for a long time there uh, apart from um, Nobu uh, uh, Fuji um, but uh, he graduated to heavyweight as Masawa took over so toward the end of the 90s but he was kind of out of favor so that was why when Masawa departed Taioke was one of the few guys to stay back with all Japan and um he changed his name to Taoke as like it was an attempt to appeal to the Japanese fans a bit more. He's had some success as a tag team wrestler. Uh, he had to tag with Keiji Muto at one point, won um, tag goal for both All Japan and New Japan within a week. And then uh, they actually the first team to win both, let alone hold them simultaneously. Later, he turned on Muto and joined uh, ROD, Roughly Obsess and Destroy, which um, was a stable that guided him toward the Triple Crown title. He beat Suwama in 2006 for the tramp- uh, in the champions or Champion Carnival Final, went on to defeat Kojima in July of 2006 to claim the Triple Crown Championship, and defended against Kawada in August, defended against Suzuki... And um, in September, Buchanan and D'Lo Brown turned on Kea and Taka Michinoku to join Voodoo Murders. So, um, Kaya and Taka entered the Real World Tag League in 2006, but they only made it to the semi-final. So he's kind of uh, because ROD fell apart. He's he's without a team, I think, at the moment, apart from Taka. So, um yeah, in this one, surely you can tell them apart, Tayoke's wearing the bright red booty shorts and Tanahashi's got the full white outfit. And the match. Kind of a battle of homegrown youngsters, I suppose, from both sides. And they're and they're entering their prime as well at this point. I mean uh Tanahashi's thirty, Kea is thirty-one The champion wears the IWGP title belt that resembles a crown, the title that was presented to Shinya Hashimoto in 1997. So this was covered in the Enochism stuff as well. Oh, actually, no. The resolution of this would not have been. But you know what? We'll save it. We'll save it when I get up to it. So they've got this crown title at the moment because they had to bring it back because Brock Lesnar took away the IWGP uh, title that they created after retiring this title that is yet to be resolved but it is not far away so they've had to bring back the crown title and um, that's what Hashim, sorry that's what uh, Tanahashi holds at the moment begins with chain wrestling this one, it's tight, it's aggressive it was a good start Tanahashi slaps Kaya on the break rather than a clean exit and pays in kicks from the larger yet still agile challenger the fight tumbles outside of the ring Kea takes advantage with a driver to the concrete which he exposed after peeling back that protective mat the match or uh, well, the fans begin to get behind Tanahashi as Kea takes over there's a huge powerbomb that's kicked out of by the champion he skins the cat he lands a sling blade a subsequent German suplex earns a two-count. Kaya recovers and goes back on the offence, a lariat in particular putting Tanahashi in trouble. Tanahashi's second wind is bluntly stopped with a DDT, the pinfall for which is interrupted at two. Kea appears to be in control when Tanahashi explodes with a devastating half-Nelson suplex that drills Kea head first. Kea hits a high-angle backdrop of his own, but Tanahashi displays heart in rising up There's a Sleeper Supex next by Kea but uh, Hiroshi uh, leaves Hiroshi laying however it gives the challenger a chance to recuperate even though okay I think I've missed something in my notes here because that's two moves by Kea and I'm talking about giving Kea a chance to recuperate but, um, okay, I guess, look, they both hit big moves on each other. You know how it looks. They they kind of rise together, and they're striking back and forth. Kaya gains the upper hand. He crashes down with a DVD. There's a sit-out powerbomb that follows, but Tanahashi just keeps getting back up. Kaya attempts another sleeper suplex, but Tanahashi fights the grip, makes a comeback, hits the German, then a dragon suplex before the high fly flow, which is... Uh, only recently adopted by the way as his finisher Um, but uh, that's how Tanahashi retains the IWGP Heavyweight Championship via pinfall from the high fly flow and I thought this match was very good as well Um, that's his third defense too by the way I think I mentioned before but I mean the participants in this match were not that over going in so it's impressive that they had the fans really buying in before it was over and um, it was you know the last match was a bit more shooty and rough this was much more traditional pro wrestling uh, Kao kind of acted as the giant the bigger stronger more dominant guy which allowed Tanahashi to be the baby face um, you know come from behind underdog and um, that was a good dynamic it worked really well it was an entertaining contest and I enjoyed it very much so I well I just spoke of um, Hashimoto and uh, this match is a bit of a tribute to Hashimoto Uh, it's called a Super Dream Tag Team Match Masahiro Chono and Keiji Muto team up against Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima so all four of these guys have obviously long storied careers and I mean delving into the background of just one of them is worthy of discussion so for the sake of brevity here's a a quick recap with kind of a focus on the relationships that these guys have shared uh together with uh, Chono and Muto they debuted for New Japan in a match against one another that was in 1984 and both men Toward the world uh, to hone their craft, but came together again in 1990 to win the tag titles. By this time, uh, they, Chono, Muto, along with Hashimoto, were already recognized as the Three Musketeers. And in 1991, so I guess if it's not obvious, by Three Musketeers, it's kind of uh, they were pointed at as the future of the company and uh, it didn't take long Chono beat Muto in the final of the first G1 Climax tournament that was 1991 and all three of them celebrated the ring afterwards but uh, they would not necessarily stay so close Chono uh, won the G1 the next year as well and this time the prize was being the NWA World Heavyweight Champion in 1992, Muto headlined the first January 4th Tokyo Dome show as his alter ego, developed in the US, The Great Muto. He and Sting defeated the Steiner brothers in the what was the second New Japan WCW Super Show. And Muto, as Great Muto, would go on to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from Ricky Choshu, And he would once again main event the January 4th Tokyo Dome event, this time defeating Chono for the NWA world title in a title versus title match. So, uh, I mean, you know, their friendship and rivalry continued at the top of New Japan cards until Muto's shock defection to All Japan in 2002, um, along with his opponent, actually. Kojima left at the same time. More recently, Chono won the 2005 G1 Climax Tournament for the 5th time, which is a a record setting 5th time, winning the G1 Climax. He's currently, well he was the leader of Black New Japan, which won the Tag League in 2006, right at the end of last year, and uh, of course with Nakamura as mentioned. Muto challenged Kojima for the Triple Crown in 2005 unsuccessfully. Uh, then he revived the great Muto to try again in 2006, but Kojima retained again uh, in the 2006 real world tag league. So that's all Japan. Muto and Kawada tied for points with Tenkozy. Tenkozy, uh, Tenzan, Tenzan, and Kojima. They actually share a similar origin story as well. Uh, Kojima entered the as their opponents, uh, I, I mean. Kojima entered the New Japan Dojo in February of 1991 and he debuted a year later in a match against Hiroshi Yamamoto who would later adopt the name Tenzan. Um, although Tenzan had debuted professionally himself uh, earlier that year and they went on to form a tag team by the end of the decade but only became or that only came after Tenzan's partner Chono uh, was injured. They were Cho 10 and for this reason, because um, uh, Tenzan had been tag champion with Chono three times. And then Muto recruited Kojima into NWO Japan. Uh, actually, all four of these guys were a part of NWO Japan. But um, Kojima and Tenzan uh, kind of struck instant success with a tag team title win. At uh, It was their first try in the Dome, 1999. And they would continue as a tag team, but saw individual success as well. So Tenzan won his first G1 Climax tournament and subsequently his first IWGP heavyweight title in 2003. By then, Kojima had moved on to All Japan, but it was not until 2005 when he achieved singles glory in the form of the Triple Crown title. (laughs) Cripple? (laughs) Crown? (laughs) I'm sorry. Triple crown title in a victory over Toshiaki Kawada. And then four days later, Kojima faced Tenzan, who was in his third reign as IWGP champion, uh, in a title versus title match, which you might notice is another parallel between these two teams, because uh, that happened with Mudo and Chono as well. And this one between Kojima and Tenzan was a classic uh, because it was a 60 minute time limit, of course, and because both titles are on the line for both big companies, it looks like it was going to a 60 minute draw, which would have been a somewhat expected result, I, I, I suppose. Uh, but with, I think it was 11 seconds before the end of the time limit, Kojima wins and becomes the first person to hold both of those titles, the Triple Crown and the IWGP heavyweight title, simultaneously. Tenzan took back the IWGP title a few months later, but then he lost it soon thereafter. He never had long title reigns. Um, And Kojima's title reign ended with the Triple Crown, that is. That came to an end in 2006, and just before that he announced his return to New Japan to compete in the G1, and then both of them together competed for the... um... Oh, they met again in the final of the G1 Climax, and Tenzan would not only defeat his friend and rival, but he won the tournament, and was only the second to do so undefeated. And Tenzan then went on to form Great Bash heel but still chose to reunite with Kojima for the first time in, since 2002 uh, as a team in the All Japan Tag League at the end of 2006, so just last month. Uh, and Tenkozy won. Well, not only did they claim victory, in fact, they became the first and only team to have won the main annual tag tournaments in New Japan and All Japan. So this is happening a lot. Recently, these these firsts, these simultaneous firsts between the two companies, obviously because they've just started working together. But, um, yeah, history is being made around this time. And uh, these guys have been a big part of the last couple of decades of Japanese wrestling history. So, Super Dream, Tag Team, Match, I think is apt. Uh, But... I suppose I'll still... ...introduce and in each one. I mean, Kojima's in the black and orange... ...including his orange goggles. Tenzan is in the black... ...and he... ...has horns. Chono's in his all-blacks... ...well, kind of a Matrix-style outfit, actually. Uh, and uh, Muto has a... ...beautiful white coat... ...over his black and white tights. The match... It begins with Muto rushing Tenzan with low drop kicks and shining wizards, attacking Kojima too and forcing them both to retreat outside momentarily. Tenzan returns and fights back with his signature Mongolian chops, enjoyed by the crowd who emulate Tenzan's hissing noises as he strikes. Soon it's Muto that needs a break beyond the ring. He rolls back in to tag Chono, then Tenzan simultaneously brings in Kojima. Chono is arguably a step slower than the other four and is beaten on before tagging back out. Uh, I mean, retirement's been on the table for Chono for at least a couple years up until this point. But uh, he and Moto dial back the years, Chono with a figure four on Tenzan, Muto with the cross face on Kojima. Muto takes over, continuing to work Tenzan's legs, uh, partly with a figure four of his own. And he and Trono work together well to isolate Tanzan and wear him down. Kojima re-enters eventually with fire, though, and uh, rapid-fire chops on Muto, and the fans enthusiastically yell, "Ichaso Bakayaro!" Before I think I said, I hope I said that right. Before Kojima completely uh, completes his signature sequence with the elbow drop, Chono tags in. Lands a shoulder block from the top rope. Stops Kojima again with a kick that resembles his Yakuza kick. But it does not have the same effect as that usually would. Tenzan's back in with chops. A rough bulldog from the top turnbuckle. Looks like Chono's about to attempt that Yakuza kick again when Tenzan counters with a wheel kick. And a bit of an awkward slam. Uh, This triggers Muto to re-enter. Uh, now it's Tenzan and Kojima that have both of their opponents in a submission hold simultaneously. They double-team Chono with a sloppy-looking Tenkoji cutter flapjack. And then, I guess maybe they understood that they didn't quite nail that one, so they hit their Tenkoji driver right after that. Mudo makes a save, but uh, both men are down on the mat after it takes both of them down until Kojima knocks Muto down with a lariat. Chono struggles back to his feet to mount some offense on Tenzan, but it's quickly countered, leading to a headbutt from the top rope. Once again, Muto has to make the save for Chono, but Kojima gives him a cutter, then dumps him out of the ring. Chono eats a heavy lariat from uh, before Kojima makes sure Muto stays out of the ring. And this allows Tenzan to hit the TTD. Tenzan Tombstone driver right in the middle makes the pin, but rolls Chono up, breaking his own fall. Looking to make it. Oh, right, because he's looking to make a point. He wants to do the moonsault. He lands the moonsault perfectly, but Chono kicks out, and the crowd excitedly gasp. Mudo makes his return to the ring and fights both opponents off. A DDT on Kojima allows Chono space to do the same to Tenzan. Together they nail Tenzan with concurrent Shining Wizards. Muto makes sure Kojima stays busy while Chono locks in the STF on Tenzan and it isn't long until he gives. Slap the mat in pain. The reaction at the end of this wasn't what one might hope for for the finish for a Tokyo Dome match or a Tokyo Dome main event, no less. But uh, there was more to come. Muto and Chono tie their uh, around their heads, these uh, long white headbands. There's a name for that. I forget what it is. But um, and they point, they they tie on like Shinya Hashimoto headbands. They point to the ceiling. So again, tribute to their fallen third Musketeer, Shinya Hashimoto, who died two well one and a half years earlier. And um, this again, I thought was very good. I mean, like, the finish was a bit flat, but the fans were really into it, and, um... I mean, maybe they just expected the younger team to win, but, I mean, everyone in the match is popular, and we got to see kind of the moves we wanted to see from each of them. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was still pretty good. Um, Although the match of the night overall, I think, was Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata um they definitely more star power in the main event and the tanahashi match was very good with kea but that was definitely lacking in star power although it did um i think that match was the most lacking in star power but um they also probably did the best job of pulling the audience in from kind of not having a lot to really getting them invested so that was a good one um and then, of course, the other featured match, the Nakamura match. I have unashamed bias there, but look at that—one hour on the dot. Then that's it. So that was Wrestle Kingdom, the original second part. Hope you enjoyed it. More to come, a lot more to come. I've been very busy at work, but I've actually got some time off coming up soon, and uh, a few things in the works. So uh, we will. Be back soon. Until next time, have a good one.